this day, for this another preach opportunity. We pray that you would bless the words that come from my lips, that they would be covered in your blessings, and that they might uplift your people when they're heard. And I ask it in the name of sweet black Jesus. For a sake, I always pray, amen, amen, and amen. From the book of Exodus, chapter number 14. Exodus, chapter 14. I want to begin reading at verse number one of chapter 14. It reads, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihathiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall camp opposite it by the sea. Pharaoh will say to the Israelites, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has closed in on them. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them so that they will gain glory over Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. I want to use for my verse of concentration uh, verse number three, which says, Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has closed in on them. I want to use for a subject this morning what I have decided to call trap theology. Trap theology. It was a cold and wintry day. The South Georgia sky was gray and rumpled like the beard on an old man's face. Our ancestors had taken their freedom, abandoned their stations of bondage, and followed Union General Sherman as he burned through Atlanta and headed south and east toward Savannah on his march to the sea. Newly freed, strong, and industrious black men served as engineers and moved rocks, trees, and any other obstacles that blocked the path of Sherman's men and his artillery. Behind the army were hundreds of old black men, women, and children, newly freed refugees of the white man's barbarism and warfare. In the course of their travel, they arrived at the bank of a deep, and treacherously icy creek called Ebenezer. It was the morning of December 9th, 1864, the night before the engineers had built a bridge that would allow for the army and their supplies to cross over to the other side, and they did. However, the lead officer of the Union, so-called friendly army, had the bridge removed before our formerly enslaved foreparents could cross over to the other side. 
In the distance, the sound of the pursuing Confederate slaver's army could be heard. Trees, forests, and wilderness was on either side of them while a frigid, watery grave lay before them. They were confused by what had just occurred and they found themselves to be trapped. Say trapped. Our people had been set up, double-crossed, and sacrificed by the Union Army, and many who had just tasted freedom for the first time in their lives were murdered, crushed in the frenzy, drowned and or re-enslaved at a place called Ebenezer Creek. For the purposes of this sermon, I'll just call it the trap. To be sure, the trap is not a new phenomenon, place, or space. The people of God have been experiencing the trap since Genesis. You can't tell me that the serpent didn't ensnare even Adam in a trap. Hell, Abraham was pimping out the trap. You better believe that Sarah and Hagar would have been walking up and down Roy Street if they had been rolling with Abraham back in his day and age. Jacob was a janky old Negro who was scamming out of the trap all the way back to Kemet, also known as Egypt. Joseph, his baby son, got caught up in an entanglement with Potiphar's wife and found himself trapped behind prison walls until he was able to flip the situation and come up out of that thing stronger than he went in, but he was trapped for a moment. Each of these black men and women found themselves living their lives in a trappy situation, and each of them experienced a move of God and found salvation from a seemingly hopeless situation called the trap. See, that's the definition of trap theology. Trap theology, from my perspective, has to do with how oppressed and struggling people overcome bad setups, debilitating setbacks, and seemingly insurmountable odds and obstacles through divine intervention, even if their faith is compromised at some point along the journey. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And so, and so when we join Moses and Jacob's offspring, the children of Israel, in the 14th chapter of Exodus, we find another group of ancestors struggling through a lapse of faith to recover the freedom, autonomy, and agency that comes with liberation. Even though Jacob and his sons were once forced or once favored by the Pharaoh back in Genesis, by the time we make it to Exodus, there's a new Pharaoh, and the offspring of Jacob had been in slavery now for generations. A leader had arisen among them, however, by the name of Moses, and he demands that Pharaoh release the people from the enslavement that was pressed upon them. God began to punish the Egyptians with plague after plague, and the powers that refused to grant them the children, to grant the children their God-given right to be free. Finally, when their firstborn children began to drop dead before their very eyes, Pharaoh and his government had to let them go. And as they leave Egypt and their lives as slaves behind them, the text says, in verse 1 of chapter 14, that the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihaharoth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall camp opposite it by the sea. 
Pharaoh will see the Israelites. They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has closed in on them. The New Living Translation says they're trapped. God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them so that I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. The text suggests here that the Lord was not only concerned with getting glory from the oppressed people that were being liberated, but God also wanted glory from the oppressors who thought that they were masters over the enslaved. Now, Pharaoh and his wife and the other elite officials of the government, the officers, the senators, and others of the upper class were watching the dust cloud behind the formerly enslaved dissipate in their wake. And they wondered, who will serve us now? Who will massage my fragile ego with their obsequious demeanor? Who's going to accept my disrespect and do my work for free now that my Negroes are gone? The text says the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. The minds of Pharaoh and his officials were changed toward the people. And they said, what have we done letting Israel leave our service? Verse 6 says, so he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 picked chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who had gone out boldly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his chariot drivers and his army. They overtook them, camped by the sea, by Pihathiroth, in front of Baal-Siphon. So here are the children of Israel, or the children of Egypt. Pihahiroth, or the mouth of the canals, to the south on their right side. Baal-Ziphon to the north on their left side. The sound of 600 chariots raging and roaring behind them and on an impassable sea was in front of them. Oh, my beautiful sisters and my strong brothers, the newly freed children have escaped captivity only to find themselves in a trap once more and again. Isn't it interesting how we can sometimes get out of one bad situation and before we know it, end up in another entanglement that is worse than the first situation. This is exactly where the children of Israel had found themselves. They had escaped. They were free, but the slave masters still wanted them to be their slaves and were chasing behind them. And the environment wherein they found themselves was nothing but another trap. For many of the people, this was just too much to bear. They lost their faith in their leader and began to blame him for leading them to freedom. Listen at the people begin to murmur and complain and get all dramatic as they felt the Egyptian army advance toward their rear guard. In a split second, they looked back at their past and momentarily lost their faith as well as their vision for their future. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? This is, 
is this not the very thing that we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. In the midst of the panic and the frenzy, it appeared to the people that there was no way out of the trap. They wished they could go back into slavery because being free was too painful. Sometimes we all tend to fall back into the grip of what we thought we had overcome. They longed for the security found in their enslavement. For them, liberation was just too dangerous, too much responsibility, too much work. Verse 14 says, but Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see never again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only but to keep still. That's a word for us today. If we keep still, the Lord will fight our battles. That's a good place to pull over and praise today because I know the Lord will fight for you if you learn how to be still. I used to hear the old folks saying, be still. God will fight your battle, be still. God will fight your battle, be still. God will fight your battle. God will fight your battle if you just be still. Y'all remember that. God will fight your battle if you learn how to be still. Be still, but be ready to move when God says move. Then the Lord told Moses, don't cry out to me. Don't call on me now. Tell the people to go forward. God said, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand and watch the water back up out of your way. Go ahead and walk on over to the other side. Come on up out of the trap that's got you trapped in your past. You are no longer enslaved, so stop acting like it. Go forward. Go forward, move forward. That is trap theology. Yeah, I hear the Lord saying to us as a people, go forward, even though the past feels so comfortable and familiar. Go forward, even though you feel trapped in a situation that you can't break out of. Go forward. When people from your past try to chase you down and bring you black back into slavery with them, go forward. Since they left Egypt, they had followed a pillar of a cloud before them and a pillar of fire by night to guide them. And your Bible says the angel of the Lord who was going before them, before the Israelite army moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Israel and the army of Egypt. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Oh, my beloved sisters and my good brothers, your Bible says that Moses stretched out his hand and the Lord sent a strong wind that pushed back the sea and the children walked over on dry land. But the Egyptian army that followed them riding on chariots went into a panic as their wheels 
got stuck and they found themselves trapped in the trap that they had set for the Israelites. Then the Egyptians said, let's turn around and run from them because the Lord is fighting for them and fighting against us. Trap theology gives us assurance that God is with us when we are in trouble. The Lord is with us even when the enemy seems to be winning. The Lord is with us even when we're going through. The Lord is with us even when our faith gets a little shaky. The Lord is with us and will bring us out on the other side. Won't God do it? Ain't God able? Have you tried the Lord? Ain't the Lord able? Say yeah. Shout yeah. Oh yeah. I see Jesus. They thought he was trapped. They had him on either side that were thieves and robbers. And he was on the cross in the middle. And they thought that he was trapped. They sent the death angel. The death angel came upon him. And he went down into a grave. But he didn't stay there. He stayed there all night, Friday night. They thought he was trapped. He stayed there all day Saturday. Thought he was trapped. Stayed there all night Saturday night. They thought he was trapped. But early Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning. He got up out of the grave with all power. All power to come up out of the trap. Come up out of the trap that he found himself in. In the power in his head. Ain't God able. Ain't God able to bring you out of your trap. The trap that you find yourself in. God is able. Ain't God able. Somebody shout yeah. Shout yeah. Shout yeah! Shout yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! God is able to bring us out of the traps that we found ourselves in. God is able. God is able to carry you through. Oh, it makes no difference what the world may do. Oh, you trust in Jesus in everything, yeah. God is able, God is able. Just to carry, just to carry you through. God is able. God is able. 
Just to carry. Make no difference, may no what the world may do. You ought to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. With everything. God is able. And you carry. Say God is able, God is able, just to carry, just to carry you make no difference, makes no difference, what the world may do, what the world may do, you got to trust in Jesus, stay right there, trust in Jesus, To get you out of the trap. God is able. Yeah. The invitation is offered. This is your invitation to come.
Why don't you come right now? We offer Christ to you. You may come by letter. You may come as a candidate for baptism. You may come on your Christian experience. Well, why don't you come? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is your invitation. You might be online and you might be checking us out and you want to be a part of the beloved community. We offer Christ to you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. We offer Christ. My sister, oh my sister, I know the Lord will bring. He will bring you bread, new life, new life abundantly. Life oh yeah, oh why don't you come? Oh 
And I know this person. <laughs> I've known her for a while. Yeah. Over 60 years I've been knowing her. Uh, this is my mother, Velma Slaughter. So, Mom, do you have a statement that you want to make? which is where I had been most of my life. And um, I, I enjoyed myself while I was here. And um, I've, I've tried to participate whenever I could. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, I, um, well, I don't know how I got back here. <laughs> but, but here I am. And uh, I, if the good Lord says the same, I will be here, Amen. and, so, and, yeah. and uh, I, I enjoyed myself this morning. I like the attitude of the people here, nice and friendly, and and all that makes you feel right at home. Amen. So y'all just y'all just take me back this time, and I promise I won't leave anymore. <laughs> You're welcome. Whosoever will. Whosoever will, whosoever will, you are accepted in this place, Mama. We're glad to have you as a newest member of the beloved. Uh, Y'all put your hands together. Give God praise. Ashe, I, you can go sit down now, Mama. You as a back official. All right. Let's give God another great big ham clap. This is the first time I think my mama joined the church with me. Uh, I've seen her join my brother's church before, but she never joined mine. So it's a blessing. It's a historic, historic moment in my ministry for my mother to come and be covered by us. We thank God for our visitors who were here today. And, and for those of you, the strong beloved, the strong, the true, and the brave uh, who are here, who hold us down every week, we thank God for you. The food pantry is about to be wide open, and uh, we want you to make sure that you utilize the food pantry, giving away 30-pound uh, boxes of food, and we do, do so every Sunday. So make sure you go down to 1117 Smith Street, which is one block over from us, and get your food box. Um, that's it. We have done what God has required of us today. And we pray that you would be in prayer for us and our ministry as we go forward during these last and evil days. Uh, we love you and God loves you. It's time to go. So uh, let's sing the song. <laughs>
It's our duty to fight for our freedom. It's our duty to win. We must love and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's our duty to fight for our freedom. It's our duty to win. experienced during this worship we pray that you would go with us as we leave this place that we will make it to our homes that no one will have broken in and stolen our stuff and we ask that you would be with us be with the beloved community church wherever she may be found and we ask that you would be with us and never leave us and never allow us to be out of your presence and out of your sight we ask it all in the name of sweet black Jesus for a sake that we pray. Amen. 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 Ashe. 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 Now reach up into the sky and grab a handful of power and pull it down into your body and shout Harambe. 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 That means let's all pull together. And if we pull together, we can make it. Thank you. We got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose, but I'll change. Nothing to lose, yeah. Peace of the Lord be with you. I love you. God loves you.